0: Hey, this is Steve. Just a quick bonus episode here because I have an exciting announcement. I've launched a brand new podcast. No, don't worry. I'm still going to be producing new episodes of Movable Dough. I've been enjoying my interviews with composers too much to stop now. No, my new show is called Knowing Him, and it explores the hymns of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and about how they bring us closer to Christ. The most exciting thing about this podcast is that I have the most wonderful co-host for this show, my wife Angie. We talk together about the hymns and what they mean to us personally. Here's a quick clip from one of our first shows. If it sounds interesting to you, please consider subscribing to Knowing Him wherever you find podcasts. That's Knowing Him, H-Y-M-N. Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson.
1: And this is Angie Danielson.
0: Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ.
1: Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him.
0: There in podcast land. This is Steve Danielson here with my most beautiful, most excellent co host. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, anyway, today we are talking about hymn 120 uh, Lean on My Ample Arm. So, there's not a lot of information about why the song was written in the first place. There's not one of those cool backstories. You know, there was a storm like the last one we listened to, uh, or that we talked about. Um, but I, I really like this hymn for one particular reason. It's a it's a different point of view than we often get from the hymns. You know, oftentimes it's, it's us singing about the Savior and, you know, about us coming to the Savior. But lean on my ample arm, this is uh, the Savior talking to us. And he's telling us, Lean on my ample arm. And it, we do have to say, make sure we say ample arm. My son was just hidden here a little while ago. He said, lean on my apple arm. Which one's your apple arm? <laughs> now this is lean on my ample arm. And this is not talking about Arnold Freeberg drawing Nephi sort of ample arm. That's not what this is either. <laughs> uh, so the the words here, you know, lean on my ample arm, O thou depressed, and I will bid the storm cease in thy breast. Whatever thy lot may be on life's complaining sea if thou wilt come to me thou shalt have rest lift up thy tearful eyes sad heart to me i am the sacrifice offered for thee in me thy pain shall cease in me is thy release in me thou shalt have peace eternally and i think they're beautiful words and we we don't get a lot of hymns written this way in the point of view of the savior um, I can only think of one other.
1: So what made you pick this this certain hymn?
0: Well, I like the the point of view. I like it. I like the idea of Christ sort of reaching out his arms to us and pulling us in. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about um, Third Nephi when they've just had all these storms and destructions and the people are in the dark and they're crying and they're sad and frightened and then they hear the voice of Christ and he's saying my arms are stretched out and i want to gather you in like a like a hen gathereth her chicks i want to protect you and i want to hold you just come to me and and let me protect you and that's the the message i get from lena my ample arm i don't know what do you what do you think about the text here
1: yeah it's Beautiful. I've always liked this hymn, even though it's high and hard to <laughs> sing, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. But I like the words. and I don't know. I was just reading over them before we started and um, just haven't, I have been feeling kind of depressed today. So it was comforting to read these words about the Savior and how he'll take our burdens upon him and we can have peace in him.
0: Yeah. You know, the only other hymn that I can think of that speaks from the Savior's perspective, at least in our hymn book, uh, is I think 185, uh, Reverently and Meekly Now. Uh, that's another one that oh, speaks yeah. from the Savior's perspective. So we just don't get that very often. And it, I think it's a, a bold choice from a poet to speak in the words of Christ, but I don't think there's anything in here that Christ wouldn't say himself because he definitely wants us to come to him. He wants to, like it said in thirty-five, Nephi, gather us in like a hen would gather her chicks. So let's talk a little bit about who wrote this and some of the background because you did mention the melody, but let, let's talk about our uh, our poet first, okay. uh, the guy that wrote this. So this has words from Theodore E. Curtis, born 1872, died in 1957. I was not able to find a ton about Theodore Curtis. Um, you know, they've got an entry here in the Our Latter-day, uh, Latter-day Saint Hymns, or Our Latter-day Hymns. <laughs> I want to put a Saints in there. Uh, the stories and the messages, Karen Davidson. Um, you know, talks about his life. He... He earned his living at as an employee at DCMI, so he wasn't, like, out there making waves in the world. He was a, a businessman. He was supporting his family. But he was, uh, well, he was a had. member of the Church of yeah.
1: Jesus Christ of Latter-day
0: Saints. Yeah, he was a member of the Church. Uh, he published poetry in all the Latter-day Saint magazines at the time. Uh, a booklet of his poetry, Mother Heart of Gold, was for many years distributed in LDS Wars on Mother's Day, so that was a common Mother's Day gift. Now you get... Like a flower or chocolates or something. But right. Maybe we can find that pamphlet and give it out this year.
1: <laughs> so he wrote some other hymns in our hymn book too, didn't he? Yeah,
0: he wrote text for Awaken, Arise, Come Unto Him, and again, Our Dear Redeeming Lord, in addition to Lean on My Ample Arm. I um, yeah, couldn't find much more besides that. Apparently, he was well known as a poet during his time, at least well known in the church. Um, not necessarily in the world, but at least in the church, people knew his poems and knew who he was. Uh, did you have any other information about Theodore Curtis?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I noticed that he had written some other poems. I'm not sure. I'm sh- I think they were set to music, but there were s- oh, the several that had kind of a theme of like rising from the dust or, you know, out of the dust. Oh Yeah. A nation speaks out from out of the dust, and hail, Kamora, silent wonder. these sound like um, songs of the rest about the restoration of the mm-hmm. gospel and the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. So,
0: yeah, and it, apparently he he was a musician as well. He played mandolin and harp. Uh, he composed music to a couple of his poems as well: "O Sheep of Israel," uh, "The Trail Builders' Hymn," and "Thou Art Everywhere Before Us."
1: So, yeah, I'm not sure if those other ones that I was just mentioning were made into songs or not. Um, it says that they were poems he wrote, but I'm not sure.
0: No. Anyway, one of the sources we're looking at here, this is mormonwiki.com, a uh, little article here about Theodore E. Curtis. So I didn't even know Mormon Wiki was a thing until <laughs> until this, him here. Okay, so our song, our our, our composer for Lean on My Ample Arm was Evan Stevens. And we've we've been enjoying talking about Evan Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked about him a couple weeks ago uh, when we were talking about the hymn, Oh, My Father. And we talked about sort of the history of how we got to the tune of Oh, My Father that we know. And we talked about the fact that Evan Stevens uh, had written his own tune and preferred that one, obviously, and tried to get people to do that. But he had done an arrangement of the My Redeemer tune, uh, and that's the one that everybody liked because he had done this arrangement for the Tabernacle Choir. Uh, So Evan Stevens wrote a lot of hymns.
1: A lot. (laughs) A lot of hymns.
0: uh, In that, you know, in those early hymn books, I think in the 1927 hymn book, he has like 85 hymns or something. It's incredible how many he has there. It's interesting, though, how... Few of those we still have in our hymn book. I think it's like eighteen, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's crazy.
0: And you know, I.
1: So why is that? What do you yeah, think?
0: You know, it, it's it's hard to say exactly why because we're not on the music committee. We're not selecting the hymns and things. Um, but I I just think Evan Stevens was composing mostly for the Tabernacle Choir. Um, and the people loved the arrangements and wanted to do them, and so they would be included in the hymn book. But they're not always as easy for the congregation to sing. Uh, so one of the things that I loved about this 1927 hymn book that I got is that now we do. Now I have a copy of the Evan Stevens version of Oh My Father. So I'm going to actually play this on the piano a little bit because I want you to hear the harmonies as well. I could sing just the melody, but I want you to hear the harmonies also and hear how it's more harmonically rich than the Oh My Father that we have. So I'm gonna come over to my piano here and Angie's gonna bring a microphone over. Okay, I'm gonna set this up here. And please forgive my piano for being out of tune. It's 100 years old and I know I tune pianos, but it's one of those things, you know, a housekeeper's house is gonna be the messiest because she don't wanna do it when she gets home from work. So (laughs) my piano's always gonna be most out of tune because I don't wanna do it. Okay, so this is Evan Stevens' version of Oh My Father. See if I can sing and play it. I'm not sure. Oh. Much more sort of harmonically complex version of Oh My Father.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful tune, but uh, sounds more like something that you would listen to the choir sing.
0: Right. Yeah. It.
1: And not congregation. I'm
0: sure it was absolutely gorgeous when the Tabernacle Choir sang it, yeah. uh, or any other choir, but it, it's just, it's harder for congregation. congregations to sing more complex things without having time to sit there and practice Those harmonies. Now, if you are just singing the melody, it's actually not that hard of a melody just to sing by itself. Even that third line, which was tricky for me to play and sing because I've only looked at it twice. (laughs) Um, But I mean, that's just a... So it's not a complicated melody. just the harmonies underneath that are so rich. And I think that's what I find with Lean on My Ample Arm as well is that it's a... It's a beautiful hymn. And that's one of the things that drew me to it. We, when I was at BYU um, in one of my theory classes, I don't remember if it was theory or form and analysis or something. Anyway, we had to look through the hymn book and we had to find hymns that had unusual chords and you know, had, looking for specific things. Anyway, Lean on My Ample Arm was one of the songs we looked at because it has such unusual harmonies. Mm-hmm. Unusual not unusual for the hymn book, not unusual like no one's ever written this chord before. <laughs> Just unusual in the fact that we don't see chords like this in our hymn book very often. Um and so I, I you know, I immediately was like, I I want to know more about this hymn and so I played it, um, got familiar with it, and I actually did an arrangement for our ward choir in our early years of marriage. Um, I can remember rehearsing it in our or Why Ward? Yep, I do.
1: Too. <laughs> I liked it. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah, um, but again, it's great for a choir who has time to practice it, and because it's so harmonically complex, I just don't think as many congregations sing it, which is a shame because it's a beautiful hymn.
1: So back in the early days of the the early hymn books, like these ones from the nineteen twenties, and even the 1950s and stuff, they had a lot of hymns in there that were specifically for choirs. Mm -hmm. So we don't see that as much in our uh, 1985 hymn book, but they had a lot more of those. So do you think that they were specifically singing a lot of Evan Stevens songs just like in the ward choir, or do you think they actually sang those in the congregation?
0: It's hard to know um, because in these early ones, they didn't designate. Uh, whether or not they were for choir or congregation. It's not until we get to the 1948 hymn book. Um, They put them in a different section. Yeah, they they said these are for congregation, this is for choir, this is for women's voices, these are for men's voices. So we finally start to see that sort of designation in the 1948 hymn book. Well, later revisions, not in the first edition, but in later editions. Um, I do know that Lean on My Ample Arm was actually in a higher key in the 1927 version and they've lowered it and it's already and it's, high and it's, and, it's and it's still high cuz it's going up to what a, it does it go up to an F? F yeah yeah it goes up to an F <laughs> yeah before it was going up to a G so yeah. they've lowered it a whole step there um and you know uh, an F that's tough for sort of lay congregation sopranos <laughs> yeah it's hard for me <laughs> um so I do want to talk before we sort of listen to the song, um, I do want to talk a little bit about Evan Stevens' work with the Tabernacle Choir because he was so prominent in what he was doing with them. Uh, So he conducted the choir from 1890 to 1916. And during his tenure as director, uh, the choir went through great growth. Uh, He was very innovative in the things that he was doing, trying to push the choir uh, beyond just, you know, normal religious services. Um, he started having them do concerts um, of not necessarily all religious music you know get into in, uh, into more of a of a repertoire outside of just regular church service. Uh, it, in 1893 uh, the choir had grown uh, a little bit and 250 members of the Tabernacle choir, uh, went to the Chicago World's Fair oh, cool. and participated in a choir competition at yeah. the World Fair. Uh, there was a, I've uh, I've heard about this before, and I know that the there was some hesitancy. Should we, should we send the choir out? Would they represent well? And Evan Stevens really pushed for this, for them to go. He said. Uh, Simply be calm, earnest, and see to it that we do ourselves justice, and I, for one, will be satisfied, prize or no prize. Uh, So he felt the choir could at least go and represent well uh, in this contest. So there were actually only four choirs in the contest. Uh, The Western Reserve Choral Union from Ohio, the Scranton, Pennsylvania Choral Union, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and I'm not actually sure how to pronounce the next one, Chimrora, Chimrodorian Society, uh, also from Scranton, no Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that. Uh, but each choir got to perform, and the Tabernacle Choir came in second. So they, um, the choral union from Scranton got the first prize, and the Tabernacle Choir got the second prize. So uh, on this article here, I'm reading from the Tabernacle Choir website. It says... Um, Then as Charles Jeffrey Coleman wrote in his book, The Mormon Tabernacle Choir, pandemonium broke loose when they announced the winners. The Pennsylvanians yelled, and the Salt Lake City people cheered. Finally, one of the Scranton folks called out, three cheers for the Mormons, and the shouts resounded even louder. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Uh, And then at the end, all the choirs joined together to sing the Hallelujah Chorus, and Evan Stevens was invited to conduct that finale. Um, And Joseph F. Smith, who was a member of the First Presidency at the time, said it has done more good than 5,000 sermons would have done in an ordinary or even an extraordinary way. So he was talking about the impact that the choir had on the church's presence. Uh, So it was a a very positive thing for the church. Uh, Something else that uh, Evan Stevens did in 1910 uh, under his direction, the Tabernacle Choir was the first ever large ensemble to record a song. That's pretty right. cool. Recording technology was still new, and solo artists and small ensembles had per, had recorded things, but they had not figured out the technology to record a large ensemble. Uh, and so they they experimented. So instead of microphones, they had to have these sort of large conical cones that they set up to capture the sound mm. that would bring it to where they needed and so they set like four of them across like hung from the gallery uh, the gallery up above mm. in the tabernacle you know one pointing at the sopranos and one at the altos and a couple in the middle so it sort of captured all the sound as it came in and all Wound down to a box right by the conductor, and that's where the sound was actually captured. Uh, interesting. Yeah, so they're the first group to actually record uh, a first large ensemble to actually what song record did a song. They sing? Uh, I'm. It didn't say exactly which one was first, but they recorded several songs that evening, including We Thank You God for a Prophet, Let the Mountain Shout for Joy, and The Star Spangled Banner. Uh, and of course, we know later on they recorded their. Um, their award-winning battle hymn of the republic and they've gone on to record i don't know hundreds, hundreds of albums yeah. i mean they've <laughs> so, many, so many so many recordings didn't he get
1: then. the choir up to 300
0: they did yeah so the the growth was tremendous grew from roughly 125 voices to over 300 during his time with well, how them how much is it now uh, 360, I believe, is how many seats there are up there. So
1: they're keeping it about the same. He had yeah. a little bit more.
0: And he—he's the one that actually put it in sort of the the tiered seats and the way we know it today. Yeah, I, was, I read about that.
1: Like, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, one other thing we want—I want I to talk. I'm going to play a recording for you. I mentioned that I did an arrangement of this for our, one of our early married wards when we first got married, uh, and I—I. I, Pulled it back up last week, uh, did a a little bit of tweaking to some of the choral parts and to the violin parts that I'd written for it as well. Uh, And I recorded myself singing the whole thing. So we're actually going to do that, especially since it goes so high, I'm not going to make Angie do it today. (laughs) Um, But we're going to listen now to uh, my arrangement of Lean On My Ample Arm. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us today for Knowing Him. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Please let us know what you think of the show. Uh, Either email us, knowinghim at gmail.com, join our Facebook group at Knowing Him, or follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We'd love to know what you're thinking about the show and love to hear what your favorite hymns are. Join us as we continue to sing our way to Knowing Him.